I am Jeff, lead pastor of Northview Community Church in Abbotsford, British Columbia. And this podcast is where I get a chance to interview people about things that I'm interested in and talk about whatever I want to talk about. Welcome back to another pre-conversation conversation. I am Levi, the producer, and I sit across again from Jeff. Welcome home, Jeff. Thanks, buddy. Well, I Appreciate guess you've been home this whole time. I have been home this whole time, just uh, not in a physical proximity to you, Levi. Yes, welcome Which to means that I didn't exist. <laughs> if I'm not near you, Levi, I don't exist. In my mind, at least. <laughs> I know you do. I have a brain like a goldfish. <laughs> no long-term memory. Uh, you know, I wanted to run one thing by you. I didn't talk pre-recording with you. Uh, When we were going to name this podcast, I wanted to call this Jeff M. Radio. I like it. And actually Val Bosch suggested Jeff M. Talk Radio, which is even more appropriate. That's great. Do that. Uh, Why didn't you go with my name? You have Uh, some veto power. No, I don't. You don't. You know what? The people who who are in our communications group, they they are dictatorial. They end up doing (laughs) whatever. There used to be a skit years ago uh, where I think it was on Saturday Night Live where there was a, a guy sit he, he and his wife were trying to figure out what they're going to name their newborn baby and the wife keep mention she keeps mentioning names and he comes up with all sorts of weird like connections to them. Oh, you want to call that kid David? Dave? Isn't that the name of that murderer? <laughs> so yeah, I feel sometimes like that's the way we do stuff with the with the. The naming of a podcast or anything it's like well if you make it too clever people make fun of the clever and so let's just call it the most basic thing going so we did people make funny making fun of the clever uh explains a lot of their interactions i have with people so yeah. that that sheds some light on why some of the stuff i say doesn't get received right because you're too clever i get made fun of for the clever <laughs> Your comedy is too rich for these poor sops. Yeah, I, I, so my favorite thing is when I tell a joke and then have to explain it. They see what I did there. Because then the... it's like two jokes in one, <laughs> which I laugh at twice and they don't laugh at. So yeah, uh, people online have been arguing, which is kind of, I guess we could just really? call the segment online arguing. Yeah. Uh, people have been debating whether uh, empathy or sympathy is what we're called to as Christians. And they think empathy basically meaning we should feel what other people feel. And sympathy, meaning we should understand with what other people feel. Do you have uh, strong thoughts? I think this is ridiculous. First of all, I'm not following any of that. I know you're the the moment I heard that was only a minute ago when you said, "Hey, there's this thing online," and I I said, "What?" And I'm saying what not because I have a particular view on it. I don't care about the particular view. But for goodness' sake, have we run out of things to debate? Is this what we're doing now? We're going to try to figure out what version of you know loving other people and understanding their plight is the right version. Like if you're empathetic to someone, God is up in heaven saying, you sinner, what are you doing? (laughs) Identifying with them and putting yourself in their shoes. How How dare you bear their their burdens? (laughs) Like whatever, stop it. And then, but even trying to fight back against that, you and I both know that that's just some dude who tweeted that because he was thinking, oh, this, this, this will be a really interesting uh, theological discussion. And he did. And then he got a bunch of tweet backs and people started freaking out about it. And now it's a big thing. Stop it. Stop it, Christian church. There are people dying and going to hell. Right? False teachers are everywhere. And they're not teaching about empathy and sympathy. For goodness sake. Yeah, just love people. We don't care what word you throw on the front of it. <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> no, that's... By the way, do you ever... When you're trying to 
when you're sitting with somebody and you're having a conversation with them and they're, they've had a difficult time in your mind, are you thinking to yourself, let's see now, I don't want to be empathetic. <laughs> so I've got to be sympathetic. So empathy would look like this, but sympathy would look like that. Are you really, does anyone think that ever? I think if you're thinking that you're probably not being either of those no, two things right. in that conversation. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine our care pastors trying to do right. that when they're actually actually trying to care yeah, for they people? They preface everything. <laughs> I don't want to be empathetic here. <laughs> yeah, that would probably kill a care conversation pretty quickly. Oh man. No, that's. I feel like this is how most of our discussions about online arguing resolve. <laughs> so stupid. Yeah. No, that's fair. Uh, well, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, Canada's House of Commons does video conferences right now. Yeah, why wouldn't was, they? There was one MP who got caught in a, a compromising state of undress on his camera. He had apparently biked to work and was changing into his work clothes without realizing he has turned his camera off. So I wanted to hear from you. What What is something you really like about Zoom? Because I know you have that. some reasons for liking Zoom, but what do you not I like? love that. Oh, I do. love... So they're going to put together, I'm sure you can go on YouTube right now and they've probably put a compilation together of all the different like zoom errors. And some of them are hysterical. Like, uh, there was a, I remember there was a girl who was having a meeting and her dad walks behind and he's got, he's got big old belly and he's got no shirt on and he's walking behind and he kind of just stands there for a minute. Like, uh Oh, I think <laughs> she's like, dad, get back. <laughs> then you got the cats crawling across everything and the, I always enjoyed that when the news media would try to do their their stuff from home <laughs> during the lockdowns. You know, they put Karen there in in her in her in her uh, living room, and all of a sudden you realize, oh, Karen's got twenty cats. <laughs> okay, and they're going everywhere. And of course, Karen didn't decide that she'd put the cats in a different room. Well, have you tried to hurt thing. cats before? Yeah, but I'm like, even the dog. You want, so you don't want to put the dog somewhere else for a minute. You can't put the dog outside. All right, but. Yeah, that kind of stuff's awesome. It is awesome. Uh, I think, you know, Zoom's also not, a, it's not horrible, right? Because sometimes you get to sit there and, uh, you know, you don't have to, you can wear shorts and just wear whatever, a collared shirt if you want and make it look like it's just fine. Um, I, I got to tell you, I also enjoy Zoom because I can, I can do other things on my computer <laughs> while the Zoom is happening. Although that is a freak, that is a, you know, you're playing with fire when you do that, Levi, mm -hmm. because it more than once I've heard, Jeff, what do you think about that? And I've immediately <laughs> been like, oh my goodness. Uh, but it becomes a bit of a game mm -hmm. like, okay, so this is the next challenge. How do I make it sound like I have an opinion about that matter when I actually wasn't paying any attention to any of the conversation? So, so far I've done relatively well at that. I think I'm probably like seven out of 10. When it comes to, because it's happened at least 10 times, and uh, I've probably seven times fooled them, and the other three are quite obvious that I haven't, but I'm not going to admit that I wasn't listening. So you better hope none of the elders are listening to yeah, this. Yeah, no. no. Oh, there's been a lot of elder meetings that I have not, <laughs> I've not listened to some of the things. My, my favorite thing that happens on Zoom meetings is when people are using like their laptop or tablet and they go to the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> there's one of them. Did you see the, there's one lady brought it with her. She's going to be, <laughs> Yeah, so like even if you remember to turn uh, the camera started. off, you might forget to turn the mic off. I know. And you really want to make sure both of those so, things are turned off. So good. Man, what a what a hidden blessing in this whole world of Zoom. It is. Just, we will go down in history and we'll be like, ah, oh, remember back in the day where you forgot to turn your camera off? <laughs> oh, it was so good.
Yeah, as long as it's never you on one of those no. compilations that will inevitably end up on YouTube. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all I wanted to talk about. Well, I, I'm, I love talking about these <laughs> sorts good. of things. God bless Zoom. We have a, an interview that Jeff did with Josh Duell, who is in the process of planting a church in Kelowna, Praxis Church. So they talk about how he ended up being a church planter, uh, why he loves the Okanagan Valley and wants to pastor there. Uh, so we think it'll be a really good conversation for you to stay tuned for. I am here with Josh Duell. Josh Duell. Duell. D-O-O-L. Josh, you are planning a church in Kelowna. You're actually doing it in partnership with Northview and kind of Westside. And I really started out of Westside. You were the pastor there at Westside for a while or one of the pastors, and uh, I just wanted to chat with you about church planting, about who you are, how in the world you did this, why in the world you're going to Kelowna. Who in the world would go to Kelowna, right? Good so questions. Could you, yeah, could you tell me, but first, could you just tell me about yourself a little bit? When did you come to faith in Christ? How'd you get into ministry? Do you have a family? That kind of stuff. Yeah, I do have family. Um, we we had a uh, really interesting journey kind of into ministry. Um, I grew up in the interior of BC, kind of lived in a uh, just about every small town, it feels like in British Columbia, and bounced all the way across the country and back, but spent most of my teenage years in uh, Summerland and Penticton, mm. small little towns. Um, had a bit of a a broken childhood was raised by a single dis, uh, a disabled parent. Uh, didn't have my dad in the picture. I, I ended up coming to faith at 11. Um, really, I just had a strong sense of my own sinfulness, uh, my uncleanness um, because of a, a number of things, but kind of the alcohol abuse and um, drug abuse that I had grown up around things that have been done to me, things that I had done. Um, really, it was about the age of 11. I remember really just a, a desperation. And I came to faith in a church plant that's was gathering about 100 meters from my house right now. It wasn't even the town I lived in. And um, so I came to in faith. Kelowna, right? in, yeah, in, yeah, in Kelowna. Wow. So we drove up, and I think one of my, my mom's um, drinking buddies their son was playing drums at church that week. And so we went and I heard the gospel and responded there and then um, got got hooked. I ended up doing camp ministry through high school. I went to Bible college at 16 and it was post Bible college, kind of had a, a crisis of faith. It kind of led me into a season of exploring um, some different faiths. I actually used to hike up into the mountains to visit this Buddhist monk, draft-dodging Buddhist monk who lived in a train tunnel and um, and and kind of just began exploring different faiths. And um, at this point in my life, um, ex- falling into um, just bad patterns of life, I would say, um, and some began exploring and, and, and with drugs. And by my early 20s, I had spent um, multiple years um, high, um, and, um, again, the Lord came and convicted me deeply of, of my sin. I remember, so I was living back in Kelowna again, and I had this moment, um, where I, I was really just aware of my inability to, to keep the law. And so I had a, 
a strong sense of, uh, of a, a, an understanding of Christianity. But um, I think this is really where um, I became a Calvinist because um, I realized, man, if this is up to me, I'm going to screw it up and I can't, I can't do this. And so I had a come to Jesus moment on Dumontreux court in Cologne. Like a literal one. Yeah. A literal (laughs) to Jesus moment. And, uh, it, it, that I would say like 2021 marked a big transition in my life. And, um, I, I just started telling everyone I could about Jesus. Um, I was working in the oil field, um, I, I began to, um, research and come up with answers and figure out answers to the questions I was getting. I started reading a lot of theology. My, my life took a big 180. Um, started auditing some classes at different seminaries. Uh, I, you know, and, and it just became clear the Lord was leading me towards ministry and, um, yeah, I, I think I've kind of went through your question into much more, but um, no, eventually I, I felt a call out of the industry I was working in um, into into vocational ministry, and I had no idea what that looked like. Uh, but God really faithfully um, just shut some doors, opened some doors, and and kind of a to make the a long story short, uh, we my wife and I ended up in Vancouver to be part of Westside's first church plant, Reality Church. Hmm. And so that's how I ended up there. Right. And then you, you started where you worked for uh, Westside Church for several years. Yeah, that's and right. What were, you, what were you doing there? So I started out um, actually at Reality. I went on staff at Reality with C2C. Um, as I, I, I started this, to sense this call towards planting and, and pastoral ministry, um, C2C um, took me on a number a church, of different... The C2C is a church church planting network that uh, was around for a number of years and it's now kind of morphed into some other stuff. But yeah, that's yeah. what you mean by C2C. Mm-hmm. Yes, pardon me. So uh, yeah, an early church planting network um, invested into me. Um, I ended up on staff at Reality, then getting beamed up to the mothership at Westside. And um, at first, I oversaw community groups. Then I oversaw the local and global mission, some of the classes and training while preaching. And then I went um, across the water to North Vancouver to help plant the Shore Church. And then ended up back at Westside for the last several years, um, wearing a, a lot of different hats. So you've been involved in church planting in these different places. Uh, and then at some point you, you got convinced that you were going to plant a church. But I remember talking to you a while, a long while ago and that you were convinced that you were going to be in like new Westminster or somewhere in the, in the lower mainland. Why, why, like how did that change? Oh yeah, that's a good question, Jeff. Um, there's been a number of different places. Um, definitely there's been other spots that have tugged on my heart. New Westminster is one of them. They still, somebody needs to plant in new Westminster, um, we need to plant everywhere. We need to replant everywhere. Uh, you know, and I, I just want to see churches planted. Um, I want my whole life to be wrung out so that, um, I, I pray this all the time and it's, it's outrageously large, but so that hundreds of thousands could come to faith. Uh, we, we need, we need a lot of more churches planted. So in the middle of that, um, I, I, I've, I've, of this burden that I've, I've carried. Um, really it's because 
evan- like churches, church planting is the most effective evangelistic strategy. That's why we need to plant churches. And, and for me, it's, it's always just where, and it's, we need to continually be doing this in that though. Um, I think a lot of guys plant churches, uh, out of rebellion. I don't, I, maybe, you know, where that we just go and we do it where maybe we're reacting against something or there's something we don't like. And we want to go put our own mark on a ministry. I just didn't want to do that. And so I've, I felt a burden for a number of places, but I tried to submit to the elders at Westside and, and so that this was never just a decision I was making, um, so that I would really, I'd be sent out when the timing was right. And so to answer your question, why not new West? Why not some of these other places was the, the Lord, really just brought pieces together towards Kelowna. It's not actually something I wanted. Um, he just has a way of directing us uh, wh- where he wants us and surprising us pleasantly. So you're doing this during COVID. Wow. Like, did I mean, uh, I would have thought that you would have waited till after. Why, why are you doing it during COVID? And how, I mean, I, I'm really interested to know how it's going. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've, you've moved up there in the middle of a pandemic and I'm just wondering how, what's the church scene like in Kelowna? How's it going with your church? But first I want to know why during COVID. Well, well, some of that comes into why Kelowna. We, um, I, I'm from the Valley. We come up for vacations. I know the state of the church in the Okanagan Valley. Which I know is? some of the, um, it's, it much like the lower mainland, much like Vancouver, there's so Kelowna itself, it has, um, a hundred thousand people who profess a belief in nothing. Then there's a hundred thousand people who would click Christian on a census, um, who are not connected with a local church. Actually of the 217,000 people who call Kelowna home, only around 10 to 12,000 are engaged with the church. Um, and having sent, I mean, we're constantly having people move east from the lower mainland and having seen people move back um, and the, in, having a hard time finding churches to connect with that just show up and preach the Bible every week. Um, the state of the valley has been on my heart. And, you know, I, I've been praying for the valley for years and years on Tuesday mornings, Luke 10 to the uh, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'd send laborers in and. I was so I was actually up in Kelowna and and praying for Kelowna, praying for the valley, that Luke 10 2 prayer. And I and I heard something, and this doesn't happen to me much. I don't know where this fits into your pneumatological grid work, but um I heard Jeremiah 12:10. And I didn't know what it said. So I actually I opened my Bible up, and some of these motifs will make sense if you've been to the Okanagan. It says this: it says, um, many laborers have destroyed my vineyard. They've trampled down my pleasant portion, desolate the land mourns to me, but no man lays it to heart. And I read that and it and it pierced me. It convicted me because I've been praying. Actually, I'd been approached about some churches in the valley even. And, and my answer was always just heck no. Um, I'm in Vancouver. I'm a city boy. Uh, but God used that verse and he actually used COVID in the coming months after that to stir me towards this. So um, COVID hits, we're getting thousands of more people tuning into our live stream. And I'm on Google Analytics tracking where these people are coming from and finding, you know, why is there dozens of people from Merit tuning into Westside and, and seeing like, hey, the local church hasn't figured out how to 
I guess, connect their 1980 soundboard with an iPhone feed. And so there's just nothing. And I start to survey the area and see a lot of the small towns in the valley. Well, A, they don't have a live stream during COVID. Some of them, though, don't even have a church anymore. Hmm. So the towns I grew up in, some of these towns don't even have a place where a young person could go and hear the gospel. Hmm. And, and, you know, West Side, Northview, we're, we're church planning churches, but we're barely keeping up with the cities. And I start to look at like a town like Midway or Greenwood, 600 people and go, how are we ever going to have a church again there? What's the model? So we started to, to imagine what if we plant something in Kelowna for this, these big, the group of 100,000 nons and 100,000 disconnected Christians that could service into some of these smaller towns. And really, so that's how some of um, the vision started uh, for Kelowna um, in the middle of COVID. And, and it's a strange time to plant. You don't, you don't get have those traditional models and schemes and strategies, but it, I, I've been finding the Holy Spirit in the middle of it. Um, I mean, ultimately, all planting is just partnering with what the Holy Spirit's already up to. Uh, Daryl Johnson, it's kind of a nod to his quote. He said, uh, evangelism is just partnering with what the Holy Spirit's already up to. And the Holy Spirit's very busy in the middle of COVID. And so uh, it's a different strategy in that we're just listening for the Spirit's lead um, that's literally all we can do because of COVID. But um, we've been overwhelmed by the interest so far. We've, we're approaching a hundred people who've said they want to be part of Praxis, and um, and and that that number is growing every week. Yeah, Josh, how do you plan a church? Like people are listening, and they'll be thinking to themselves, right? So you plan a what do you show up on a corner one day and you put up a little soapbox, you know, George Whitfield style, you put that soapbox down, you start preaching what, like what it goes into, what goes into it? What do you spend your days doing? <laughs> well, that is one way. I think uh, I'd love to see somebody try to plant a church that way. I've done, I've been out on the streets, just approaching people and sharing the gospel. Uh, I love doing that. I, I've, I've been doing some evangelism training for other groups. They've been coming up to Kelowna to do evangelism with me on the streets. Um, but really what we're doing right now is just gathering up um, the people who are, who have expressed interest in being part of this getting to know them, which is it's taking a lot of creativity in the middle of COVID. Uh, we can't gather as a team all in one place. So we, we had initially planned on doing some core training plant, kind of that core team training through the spring, but um, the government restrictions have prevented that. So we're, we're actually now just looking for a, a place where we can begin doing outdoor gatherings. Um, and if you don't own a building, that's actually pretty tricky work. So on Easter, we gathered and had, um, I don't know if Bonnie Henry's listening or not, but we had over 100 people at our Easter service. Um, but that was just us showing up and kind of squatting on the beach. You can't pull that off every week or you get yourself in some hot water. So we're, um, I'm busy just looking for venues, meeting with people, um, developing out, um, initial sermon series, um, checking out people who are interested in being part of our staff team, building out, um, succession strategies. So one day the church has a strategy from the framework, knowing how to replace me, um, how will, elect and raise up elders and and all sorts of background important foundational things that are definitely easier to figure out on the foundation level rather than out the window of the second story a couple years down the road 
Right. Why, why is it called Praxis? Ah, it's called Praxis because I love getting that question. Um, if you're theologically nerdy, you're probably familiar with the term orthodoxy, which means right beliefs. You have to be pretty nerdy, though, um, to, to bat around orthopraxy or orthopraxis, but it just means a right practice of right beliefs. And so when people ask me, what does praxis mean? It, I just, it's an opportunity to tell them it means right beliefs lived out in a right way. It's kind of upstairs theology packed out in the downstairs living room of our life. And uh, at Praxis, we're just trying to, to figure out what it looks like to live out the teachings of Jesus in everyday life. And so the, the name Praxis kind of encapsulates that, but it provides an opportunity to tell people what we're all about as well. What do you like, what do you like about doing this? Is, I mean, is it, it's different, obviously, than other kind of ministries that you've been a part of. You said you were involved in camps and other things. What, what do you like about it and what kinds of things do you find uh, not likable <laughs> about, mm. about doing the church plant? Um, I love, yeah, I love this season. This is probably one of the sweetest seasons I've, um, I've ever had uh, the pleasure of being a part of. I'm quite entrepreneurial. I've had uh, a couple businesses that I've started in the past and I love doing that, but I love the, the evangelism component coupled with this pioneering It's, it's deeply ingrained how, in how Jesus has wired me. And, uh, so I love that every day you're adapting and figuring things out and, um, yeah, just, just getting to pursue the Holy spirit and see what he's up to. Um, I love, I, I read a lot of different old philosophy, but I've been reading Marcus Aurelius's writings, um, the old stoic philosopher. And he says, Who isn't? yeah, <laughs> he said, uh, uh, the obstacle is the way. And so I think as Christians, you know, he's kind of acknowledging some just see the obstacle, some see that this is an opportunity. Um, as Christians, we have even more confidence in that because we believe in a meticulously sovereign God. And so we're just the obstacle is actually exciting for me because we get to fight, get to walk by the Holy Spirit and pursue him in some kind of more intentional, deep ways than um maybe we do in other seasons. That's great. Uh, the stuff you don't like though, you like it all. Everything is perfect. Um, there is, there's parts of this that can be lonely. Like leaving Vancouver was very hard for us. Um, we're like the Valley's nice. I'm, I grew up here, so I'm not overly enamored by like the lake and the mountains. I love Vancouver. Um, I wouldn't have left. And so our existing friend networks, my neighborhood, um, the, the neighbors were, you know, I, the, the committees I was on, all of that was hard to leave. And then landing in a new place and not, um, not having that depth of relationships, that's difficult. Um, but it, it's important work. Um, if we're going to lay the foundation for a new church, so I can find joy in it, but there's days where it's, um, it can be a little lonely. Right. Is there, are there something um, unique about Kelowna that you've noticed that are different than Vancouver in terms of church planting and stuff, the mentality that people have? Mm. Is, it, is it a different kind of person who lives in Kelowna to the person who lives in uh, Burnaby? 
Yeah, I I would say so for sure. Now, um, I've done a lot of demographic work since landing here. I had a sense of some of that, but the Valley is, it's a really unique place. And um, so Vancouver has this kind of hodgepodge collection of different people, the lower mainland where there's like 200 different cultures and ethnicities. Kelowna is a lot more homogenous. Um, it's the fastest growing city in BC. Um, I joke because it's, it's where Calgary and Alberta are coming. It's where, um, it's where Vancouver comes to pretend they're on the bachelor and where Calgary comes to pretend they're on Jersey shore. And so you get a lot of people who are That's a doing crazy marriage. Uh, my mind is blowing up right now. <laughs> Bachelor with Jersey Shark. Well, and, yeah. and that's Kelowna. There's everyone who's come here for their beach vacation. And then you move here trying to have a beach vacation and trying to modify your body. So you look like you're 20 again, trying to get the big truck and the, the new tires and the boat and the house on the hill. And it's kind of it's a it's kind of bourgeois it's more bourgeois than when i grew up here there's a lot of wealth from around canada descending on this place um but there's a lot of failing idols and uh so it it's definitely different it's it's got a different culture it's people call it colonifornia it's got that california and canada vibe and uh it's definitely a different context to minister into so your plan then is to become uh, the first of several churches throughout the valley, right? That's That seems to be the idea, that you're going to start where you are, and then you're going to hopefully plant more churches in Summerland and Penticton and Soyuz and Oliver. Dude, look at me naming off all the cities that I know in the Okanagan Valley. Well, Vernon. Is Vernon in the valley? It is. Oh, dude, yep. look at me. Yep. And even that's some, the idea? Yeah, and even some lesser-known towns like Merritt. Oh, yeah. Uh, into the boundary area. We're, we're kind of drawing a circle like an hour and a half, two hours surrounding Kelowna. There's about, um, some say about a half a million people servicing in that, air, in that region. Um, but like I said earlier, there's towns that don't have a church in them. And so our vision, um, as big and hairy and audacious as it is, is that every single person within the Okanagan Valley would be within reach of a vibrant, faithful, gospel-proclaiming church. Um, And so we're planting in Kelowna with the vision of becoming a hub out of which other churches could be planted. Maybe even other satellites could be planted into smaller contexts. So um, we're starting with a big vision for Kelowna um, with the hopes that some of our staff in Kelowna could could service into merit. Maybe you've you've got a guy who wants to drive to Lumbee on Sundays and put on a church service who's part of the central church staff. Or you could leverage some of the scales of economy or or even a, a video broadcast to serve a a smaller town where maybe there's somebody ministering there who's not a great preacher. But he's a fantastic shepherd and and broadcasting something that would actually free him to use his superpower spiritual gift uh, and 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 actually maybe be a, a more effective minister in that community. So we're just trying to look and go any way, any means, um, trying to partner with as many people as possible um, for this vision so that once again, 
everyone in the Okanagan could be within reach of a church, which isn't the case at the moment. Yeah, it's a fantastic vision. Listen, people are going to, are listening to this right now, and they either have friends in Kelowna, uh, they visit the Okanagan Valley on, on the holiday, or they themselves are living there or going to live there. How do they get involved with you? What do you need? That kind of stuff. What, how, how, what do they just look for Josh Duell online? Just, just Google that, or do you have a you have a website? I think. Yeah, we do. If you just Google Josh Duell online, you might get some. Um, there's not a lot of us, but you might pull up some background stuff you don't want to see. No, um, you can go to uh, praxischurch.ca. P R A X I S church.ca. Um, and we've got all our information up there. You can search Praxis Kelowna, and uh, we now. Um, rank higher in Google than the Praxis Reiki clinic, which I love. Take that. Take that Praxis uh, Reiki. And uh, so, yeah, you can just Google, you can punch that into um, any any search engine. It'll come up now. Um, What we are looking for, um, we've got a connect form up on our website. People who would pray with us. um, That's the biggest thing. Um, I really think the foundation for this, the fuel for this is prayer. Um, Spurgeon said, when we pull the rope down below, it rings a bell up above. And I want as many people pulling that rope down below, just praying, Holy Spirit, would you show up? Would you give us your heart for the Okanagan? Would you, would you draw thousands to faith? Would you plant churches again throughout the whole valley? And even just setting a reminder on their phone to pray Tuesday mornings for that, for example. Um, we're looking for people who want to move and leverage their skill set and their gifts and their talents and spirit gifted abilities to, to see more people have the opportunity to respond to the gospel message. Um, the Okanagan is not a bad place to move, but, um, what better reason to move than to be part of a church plant? Then of course, um, there, there is considerable financial costs right now. We're, um, we've been searching, for a venue at first we thought we had one like set and figured out uh when once we landed um they pulled back and and so finding a place that can accommodate a couple hundred people has proved to be very difficult so uh, our strategy of of renting a space um is 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 proving to be pretty difficult the city doesn't rent schools or civic centers to churches so we're moving into the discussion right now of do we lease or do we buy? Um, and we're, we're needing some financial supporters who have a heart for this place to step up and, and, um, and help in that regard too. And so all that information is up on the website though. Um, the biggest thing, Jeff is, I just want people to join us in prayer. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. Josh, I think it's awesome what you're doing. I'm super thankful that I've been able to talk to you. I always ask the people I interview if they have any questions for me. If there is one, I usually tell you ahead of time that you should ask me a question. So I'm almost ready for you to ask me a question. Um, I I think it's fantastic. I really do want to encourage the people who are listening here, though, who are have some sort of relation to the Okanagan Valley to check this out. There are certainly other churches in uh, Kelowna that are not only worth uh, visiting, but also ones that are preaching the gospel. But yeah. this one certainly will be. And it, maybe if that other church that you're involved in is doing really well, they could loan you out for a couple of years to get this thing off the ground. And then you could see where that, see where that goes. Lord is, wants more churches. 
or healthy mm-hmm. churches in, in your area. So, uh, yeah, if you just contact Josh through the internet in the interwebs and, uh, it'll be good. Josh, ask the question. Do you have one or did you forget one? No, no, I got two. Oh, okay. Two and they're not super long. So the first, right. um, uh, this, this need for church planting is, is staggering. I'm interested to know your thoughts on this. Um, you know, we desperately need a lot more people to engage in this mission by going, praying, supporting. But what do you think, Jeff, um, needs to take place in Canada for more planting to take place? Yeah, well, I've been saying lately to people that I think church planting is is uh, is is basically leadership development uh, or the the outcome of good leadership development. So. I, if you're asking that question, I'm saying, well, we need to develop leaders. So if we can figure out ways to develop leaders and for churches who have emerging leaders to recognize that sometimes their emerging leaders are not people that they need to keep within their own church, uh, that tends to be an attitude. Hey, we got this guy. We want to make sure he stays around because we don't want him going somewhere else. I, I, I would instead say, could, could you have an attitude of sacrifice for the kingdom? Could you send those kinds of guys out to places, to other churches, places that need renewal, churches that need replanting, uh, churches that are starting again or just starting for the first time? Could you perhaps lend those people out to the kingdom and and see how God could do a great work through them? So I do think the attitude of churches needs to change regarding their people, that we are training people, not just for our church. Uh, we are training people for the kingdom, but secondly, we, we need to be training them. Uh, and local churches are the best places for people to get trained. I'm telling you that a lot of seminary students or others at a Bible college, what happens is they show up on the, on the, on the, uh, shores of ministry and they immediately start, you know, just setting fire to everything. (laughs) Uh, or as a friend of mine used to say, they take their theological dump truck and just unload it on the front door of the church. And, and they, there is a kind of, uh, learning on the job that needs to take place. So I, I would say that churches need to, to recognize that, look, they can be the place where, uh, people who just, who've learned their theology and stuff, they can learn in those places. And those churches can have a, a view towards saying, we're, we're going to help you learn here like a teaching hospital so that we can send you out as a doctor in lots of places where people are sick. So uh, if those things happen, uh, then I actually think that we will have an abundance of capable people who can go out and serve uh, the cause of Christ around Canada. Until that happens, I think we can talk about church planning all we want, but it's just going to be a discussion about, hey, wouldn't it be great if we had some people to go out and plant churches or renew churches, but we just don't have the people because the they're all stuck in local churches that don't want to release them or that aren't training them. Mm. That's good. Uh, last question I wanted to ask you. Um, if you, you're an American citizen, Jeff. I am. Um, if you had to permanently remove one of the states from the U.S., <laughs> which one would it be and why? Oh, wow. See, that gets into political discussions, doesn't it? You know, I can hear I can hear the voices of several of my friends saying, say Texas, say Texas. <laughs> Uh, I lived in Texas. I actually loved it. I thought it was fantastic. If I could remove one state from, it would be Delaware, because who cares? Who cares about Delaware? Sorry, I know that the president's from Delaware and all that kind of stuff. He could move to Rhode Island or whatever. (laughs) But I'm telling you, who cares? Who thinks about Delaware ever? 
about anything? Do you even know where it is? Like if I told, asked you, okay, point to Delaware on a map, you'd be like, yeah, I don't, I don't, no clue. I don't actually know. No clue. I've never met anyone from Delaware. If Joe Biden didn't say he was Dela- from Delaware, I would think it actually wasn't a real place. It was, it'd be like, it Narnia. It's, it's, it's the Narnia of, C- of the U.S. <laughs> so there awesome. you go. But th- yeah, it's like removing your appendix, removing Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that positive note that will probably get me in trouble for American authorities. Hey, it's really great to talk to you, Josh. Thanks so much. Thanks Thanks so much for for what you're doing. Um, Praise God for all that's going on there. And again, anybody who needs to know anything further can go to praxischurch.ca to find out all that needs to be found out and contact Josh. So we'll talk to the rest of you next time. Thanks for listening to Conversations with Jeff. Make sure you subscribe to catch up on all upcoming episodes. So until next time, love God, do what you want, and don't be stupid. <laughs>